Raise your hands if you want a free car. Let's wake them up out there. I got a guy on stage that can help you do that. Pay attention. There'll be a quiz at the end. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> no, it was a total, I, I totally surprised, Craig. Uh, so what we're going to talk today about is, uh, is, is hiring and how do you build a great team. And what I want to do is just preface the conversation a little bit with, it, 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 it depends it depends on what stage and scale your company is um, to really determine the exact right methodologies for you, okay? Um, companies are going to be small and growing rapidly. They're going to be small and growing slowly. They're going to be mid-size and growing sideways. They're going to be large and shrinking. And so... Pay attention to the size and scale and the growth rate of your company because I think it's going to determine a little bit about your specific strategy. So with that, let's jump right into it. And, and what I wanted to do really quickly was in addition to what Peter talked about, level set on your company's size, scale, growth. So everybody gets an idea of really who we're talking to and where you've been and where you are. So Craig. Yep, so FAIR is a pretty new company here. We've just been around for a couple years, but we've had a pretty big uh, scaling moment in the last six months where we went really from an idea to a very real thing. And uh, in that time, uh, we've now gotten up to a couple hundred million dollar uh, revenue run rate and raised, as uh, Peter touched on, a good amount of debt and equity in support of that. So scaling at that pace is something that, uh, as an operator, can be challenging and uh, I can be drowning sometimes, but it's really important for us that we get ahead of that uh, in talent, and uh, we have to be really thoughtful knowing that pace like that can be coming on the uh, revenue and op side to, to higher up, so we'll speak a little bit more about that. So you started in what year? Uh, early 2016. Okay, so 2016, and you had zero employees or one, and you got today? And today we have about 175. Okay, so two years, 175 people. Kevin. For Logic Monitor, I came in as CEO, really as founding CEO in 2011, and the company had kind of gone through a couple of years of a minimum viable product and where the founder had gotten most of his consulting clients uh, really uh, challenged and armbarred into using the product, but it was a really great way to test the market. Uh, I was brought in by the seed investors at that time, and you fast forward here to 2018, we now have thousands of customers around the world, uh, and we have about 240 employees. We're growing at roughly 50 to 60% per year, uh, and steadily on track to becoming an IPO-ready company probably in the next three to four years. And how many employees when you joined? When I joined, I was the sixth employee. So six to 240 in? In about six and a half years. Six years, okay. And just so you guys understand, I was one of the co-founders of Cornerstone On Demand, and we have, I, I don't know, um, I think close to 2,000 employees today. Mm -hmm. So let's jump into it. Uh, growth can be a double-edged sword. Um, when you're growing really quickly, you got to figure out how to add the people as fast as uh, necessary to keep up with the business. Um, and sometimes uh, hiring decisions can go to the wayside. One of the mantras we had at Cornerstone was, or still is, hire slow, fire fast. So if anybody's taking notes out there, 
because I've sat in dozens and dozens of these presentations and you walk away with just a few notes. Hire slow, fire fast. Now there's also hire fast, fire fast. There's also outsource, right? We've got all different methodologies. So let me, let me go with Craig first and uh, let's speak to this a little bit. Yeah, I don't know that we can really fit in a bucket and uh, we had to be really sensitive to the nuances of our business when we thought about how we were going to hire. In our case, we had to hire slow because we couldn't make mistakes. We needed subject matter experts in a number of different areas. What we've actually built is not just a tech company, but we're actually a financial institution, an insurance company, and a consumer brand. So we knew that we had to hire aggressively and get all of the right people in play but we knew that we couldn't make mistakes. So our philosophy was to hire aggressively in number, but to give ourselves the amount of time we need to be really thoughtful about those hires. And uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of that. If we went through the cast of characters that have decided to join FAIR, it's pretty impressive. And uh, we've put a lot of um, time and uh, commitment across the organization in bringing those people aboard. How long, is it, how long do you think it takes you to hire somebody? I mean, it obviously depends on the position and the seniority, but on average, take your mid-level developer or, you know, what do you think? So we've had a few different circumstances. We've had a couple uh, really powerful scaling moments with people where we've been able to bring on a number of people at once, and I can maybe speak about that a little bit later. But um, when we're hiring an individual at the executive level, it usually takes us about three months. And at the director level, it'll usually take us somewhere in the month and a half to two month range. Great. I would first of all say, ask a question to the audience here. How many here are startup or early stage founders or executives? The reality is it always takes twice as long uh, and twice as much money as you think it might to do really anything in a startup and early stage company, I think. And Craig and I had a chance to talk a little bit about this earlier, but our early stage, we really put the impetus from our, our founder, uh, Andreas von Botnitz, uh, who founded what became Citrix Online and then uh, later was early with AppFolio.com. He told me years ago uh, a mantra which I have kind of stood by, which is, as a hiring manager, you have to put 10% of your working time into the hiring process for every role that you're hiring, and you're always hiring. And so even today, like no matter how busy we are, um, I'll spend time networking and kind of working through contacts because you're always looking for that next stage. You know, Therese Tucker uh, alluded a little bit to that uh, today in terms of what you deal with at a, at a larger stage business, but uh, a few things I, I kind of found important. One is that we had a core group of people at the beginning that are still with the company today. So I think that as you find your co-founders uh, and you find some core folks that you can convince and incentivize to get involved in the business, early, and I would imagine it was the same at Cornerstone. Uh, those are the folks that are still really driving the business today, even as we scale. And that was just incredibly important. And so imparting uh, that importance on the hiring manager's key, uh, that 10% rule, which is hard to fathom because you're spending so much time working, but recruiting is a huge effort. It always takes a lot of time and dedication. And then another thing I did, and maybe this is a segue into what do you, how do you change that as you scale, is I tried to interview everybody in a final interview, and I did until we were about 150 employees. Until the time I stopped vetoing candidates is when I stopped interviewing employees, just to make sure that that core initial team had a really solid foundation. So, so start to finish now, how long, is it, how long does it take you to hire 
the right person for the right role? Now, it, would, it depends on the level. I mean, at a, let's say at a kind of a director level person, it probably takes us between three and six months to hire someone. Yeah, so everybody pay attention to that. Yeah. So director level person, we're talking about 10 years plus? Yeah, for sure. At least 10 years experience. 10 years plus, mm -hmm. uh, 200 and something person scaled organization. Uh, location a factor for you? Location is a significant factor. We've actually had to, we're headquartered in Santa Barbara, California, just up the coast from here. Uh, and even though it's a fantastic place to live and there's quite a bit of tech going on in town, Procore, who you mentioned, obviously is just down the road from us. A lot of interesting companies and there's a great computer science program up there, which is a good feeder to these, to these companies. But it's a small town. It's a small talent pool. And so we've established a pretty significant operation in Austin, Texas to help us scale in the U.S., and then we've also set up uh, locations in Asia and in Europe as well. And you, you think it's still three to six months in Austin? Uh, still three to six months to, to find that right person, yeah, at that level it is. And entry level, I'd say it takes us between two to four weeks for an entry level to a manager level, and then director, though, it gets, uh, you know, dramatically more uh, time-consuming. Great. Okay, so... Um one of the things that I wanted to talk about was if you are going to hire slow, what can you do to allow the organization to continue to execute mm -hmm. while you're looking for the people? And one of the things that we did at Cornerstone, and this, is, this works earlier on. I'm not going to tell you that this works in a post-public uh, environment. Um, but offering people m more cash incentive or more stock incentive for basically doing the job of, we'll call it two people. Mm -hmm. um, let's speak to this a little bit. Yeah, so you know, it, it very quickly becomes the case that you can't expect because you're small and can give away more stock that you can pay less for great talent. And we came to realize this really early. Um, we, we completely abide by a similar philosophy, which is we're very aware of the fact that Great talent, especially in Los Angeles, is being sought after by all of the best companies, and we're on equal footing battling with them for those people. So we were thoughtful about where we placed our office, for example, and our office is not far from the beach in Santa Monica. Um, now, we do have another office in Phoenix uh, where we are able to acquire talent in a pretty high-value manner. Um, but when it comes to recruiting our tech and executive talent, we've been really thoughtful from soup to nuts. The... Uh, perks, having food at the office, the benefits, our benefits are probably unbeatable, and then the comp packages themselves as well. We can't expect that our stock is necessarily going to be the piece that makes up for paying less in cash. So that's just the reality of the job market that we're in, and we all have to play by the same rules. Okay, but as far as, far as when you are thin and you're asking people to work 90 or 100 or, or more hours a week, are you going to them with special compensation saying, hey, look, we're going to give you an extra paycheck for really cranking it all of December, or we're going to give you an extra 5,000, whatever the number of shares is? Uh, no, we don't, actually. Um, and we're not, very uh, we're not very bonus led as an organization. In fact, very few people at our company have bonuses at all in their comp packages. Um, instead, we really focus, we have a very heavy focus on culture. And uh, from the beginning, we have, I actually wanted to play a video here, but I couldn't. Uh, and it, it speaks a little bit about this and the ways that we try to imbue intrinsic motivation into our employees. 
um, and we don't believe that we, uh, we actually have a head of culture that's done a lot of research on cash bonuses and is pretty heavily against them. And uh, it, I, I can tell you there's a lot of motivated people that are burning the midnight oil, and uh, we're doing it without giving them an extra couple bucks. Kevin. Yeah, I would just say with Logic Monitor, because of the run we've been on, is I'd say a little bit longer, steadier pace than Craig's super dramatic shorter-term growth. Uh, we've had a little bit different story where I'd say more of a typical tech startup story, really scrappy, um, by, you know, really thin margins making uh, our, our budgets month by month, quarter by quarter. Uh, we've always been really capital efficient, but because of that, what we did was we gave folks a, a good amount of stock early. And so we tried to, like Craig, we tried to focus on culture and get folks that believed in the vision for the business we were trying to build to go disrupt what is a massive multi-billion dollar market and give them that incentive to say, you are all, everybody in the company are shareholders. We're all fighting kind of the same battle. And then when it came to the recruiting part, what we did, particularly early days, and even today, is we look for certain aspects or characteristics in the people that we hire that we think will go that extra mile, and they will do those two jobs. And what we always tell people is if you can work yourself out of a job, it's the best thing that can ever happen at Logic Monitor because there will be another better job waiting for you on the other side. And so we've tried to be consistent about that and hire people with different characteristics, which we may talk about here, that, that are more inclined to kind of just put that effort in to be successful for the company. Yeah, so, so that's a great segue. And what, what I'll wrap on that is um, in the early days of Cornerstone, if, if we had developers that needed to work uh, seven days a week for a month, those guys were getting extra paychecks mm -hmm. or they were getting a trip to Hawaii. Um, and so I just want to leave that bug out there for everybody that there, you know, other, it, it, as a substitute, for getting your work done and executing, I would prefer to still hire slow and give those people more incentive to do, uh, do the extra work. So just to add on top of that period, it's a great point. I think that we use a similar philosophy at Logic Monitor. Things like uh, occasional performance bonuses or uh, spot bonuses for managers, uh, performance-based stock awards that might just be on a random occasion based on someone's contribution, telling managers that, hey, listen, don't be afraid to buy that employee dinner or give them an extra cash bonus so that the management team can also make sure they're incentivizing that contributions required. Great. Great. Okay, so that's a good segue into uh, the, the hiring decision process and prioritizing whether... Um, we're looking for culture, we're looking for competence, we're looking for potential, um, we're looking for a certain education level or uh, education type or degree or a certain school. Um, do we believe in screening, uh, personality tests, intelligence tests, Myers-Briggs? So um, let me lead with this. Uh, I think Cornerstone um, was... was excellent at building an unbelievable culture. Um, we, uh, <clears throat> we posted it on the walls. You wanted to work with uh, what we called smart, cool, dependable people. Um, I always thought that hiring for potential rather than for competence was the priority. Mm -hmm. Obviously, culture works into the decision. <clears throat> um, I think that 
school probably weighed less and less um, as we as we increased the number of of uh, bodies. What became apparent was that the highest achieving people in the organization did not come from the top schools. So, Craig, let's go first. Yeah. Um, I think it's hard uh, to it, it's hard to ignore the nuances of the role that you're hiring for. If you're hiring for a role where you need a subject matter expert, you need a subject matter expert. But in general, one thing that we always do that might be a little bit unique is that head of culture I had mentioned interviews every single person that we hire. And having a culture screening in the interview process across levels is probably something that uh, not too many companies endure and she actually has veto rights. Um, that has helped us create near-perfect retention to date. We have only ever had two people voluntarily leave the company, which is something we're really proud of because it's really expensive and timely and uh, costs a lot of time to hire somebody, but it's even more expensive to have to hire somebody again and again and again. So to us, we look at retention and it actually confuses us that investors don't ask us more about retention because I think it speaks a lot about everything that's going on inside your company and behind the curtains. So that's something that we're really mindful of and we do think that that initial culture screening is a big part of it and then everything that follows. Yeah, great. And just as a side note, you know, Cornerstone's an HR company, so we did a lot of work on this. Um, by a show of hands, uh, who thinks that the cost of turnover is roughly 2x the person's salary? 3x, 4x, 10x. Depends on the position, but it can be up to 10 or 15x. And so it is, turnover is massively expensive. So we got to get it right. So, Kevin, what do you do? Well, when it came to my interviewing those first 150 employees, one of the questions I always asked was, what was your finishing GPA when you finished your university degree? And part of that wasn't just to put people on the spot. It didn't matter whether they were out of school for five minutes or for 15 years. I always asked the question. I wouldn't have gotten hired. Yeah, well, but here's the thing. A little bit, it wasn't a loaded question either. It's looking for, okay, what's the role that we're hiring for? And are, are they well-rounded? Like, what were their interests? What were the other things that they did? I was well-rounded, for sure. Yeah, I, so, I'd, I'd have gone hard. Hey, and so was I. I was pretty well-rounded, too. But what we look for are these key characteristics like critical thinking. Are you a lifelong learner, for example? Are you ambitious? Uh, are you competitive? Th those, those are key four. Uh, and those can pretty easily be determined in a recruiting process. And because what we would look for, and we still do today, are people that come in, and we use, by the way, there's a great book called Who, the most important decision you'll ever make. Who, who's familiar with that book? It's a great book. Uh, and we use that as guiding principles. So using uh, kind of this top grading, looking at people's capabilities to contribute to the business in the longer term, rather than what did the resume say they did when they came in the door. So what's their potential? Uh, and that has served us really, really well because as you go through these moments where you need people to do two and three jobs, you need folks that are super pliable, that are open-minded to change, that are always pushing to the future, uh, and that can just continue the development of the progress of the company as it scales and gets, gets up to different levels. So, so, so that's how so, we look So how would you figure out what questions to ask them or how to test this? 
I'll give you one example. In the lifelong learning, I'll ask folks to tell me something uh, specific in a domain uh, expertise area that you've learned over the last year, whether or not you have been in school then outside of your extra extracurricularly or on your own, something that you've gained expertise in in the last 12 months. And it's a really interesting question. So like, think about that for yourself. Like, Have you actually had a chance to dive into something and learn it? Uh, and just taking your own initiative, your own intellectual curiosity, that's a good example uh, of a question that can trip that. Yeah, so so indicative of intellectual curiosity, passion, mm -hmm. and then being able to go deep on anything. Absolutely. The idea is that that is the, rather than competence, that is the potential. And so they're going to be able to tackle anything that you throw at them. You give me... Three of those folks uh, any day, over 10 uh, people with specific skill competency that is highly zeroed in, I'll take the three people that can develop with the team. Right. Yeah. You guys write that down? Okay. Um, the, the last topic we want to talk about is the uh, sources for talent. And... Mm -hmm. I think this varies uh, as I, I started off with initially with the stage of the company, but we all know that you know you got your job boards like LinkedIn, Indeed, ZipRecruiter. Um, we might be able to even do an Acquahire. Um, employee referral programs, recruiters, local job fairs, on-campus recruiting, internship programs that lead into full-time offers. There's lots of different opportunities. Um, I think that when I, when I uh, uh, remember the different scale, uh, scales of Cornerstone and what we did, we did all those things. Mm -hmm. And they just, they come about at different times. No, you can't do an internship program when you have 30 people or 50 people. Maybe you can do it at 100 or 200. But certainly when you're over that scale, you can. And that's a good way to find uh, developers, especially from local colleges. Um, the, a, as you become a scaled organization, um, I do believe that employee referrals are key. And we can see in the recruiting products that are out in the marketplace today that looking at somebody's um, LinkedIn network, if you will, and how people... Uh, uh, behave together at least online in a network, um, it may be indicative of success that you know, translates into success in recruiting. Mm -hmm. So with that, at different levels of scale, Greg. Yep. So we've definitely had some great employee referrals, actually. But interestingly, we have brought on about half of our talent through three acquihires. And you mentioned that as one of your bullets, but I wanted to speak to those um, three experiences that we've had, because it's been really powerful for the organization. The first was very early on, uh, Avant, which is a FinTech company, was closing their Los Angeles office. We had a relationship with their CEO, and we had the ability to bring on a full stack of engineers almost overnight. And that was a team that had a background in FinTech, that had been working together for years, and could hit the ground running. That was really important for us to quickly get into a build phase. Uh, second, we recently purchased the Uber Exchange leasing business. And with that business, we were able to open our Phoenix office and quickly hire about 30 to 40 
operational professionals that helped us manage not just the portfolio that we had bought, but also the one that we were quickly growing. Uh, and those were subject matter experts that would have been difficult to source in one location. Um, and then third, uh, we recently purchased a small uh, LA-based rental car delivery app called Skirt. And in that, we were able to acquire two founders, and we place a high premium on founders and entrepreneurialism within the organization, and then some great talent in both legal and product. Um, and I think this is probably unique to have done it three times. We've actually evaluated others as well that we passed on, because it, it, you can't always get it right. It can be a mistake if the team is dysfunctional or otherwise scarred, but we have found that if you do it right, you can get a hole that's greater than the sum of the parts that hits the ground running. And, and actually, um, one of the key factors that determines the success of an NBA team is how long that team has been together. So if you're able to, as a young company, bring on a team that's less young than you, it can be really important and impactful, and we've found that. Yeah, it's, it's really... Uh... It's a great point. It's a it's a highly unusual story, mm -hmm. uh, highly unusual. Um, not something that I think anybody would naturally um, think about as an approach to uh, finding talent, but obviously has worked uh, perfectly well. What percentage of your employees did you say came from um, the three? Almost half. And, and by 50%. the way, this this probably brings down our weighted average hire time. So, yeah. <laughs> so if I was to look at our individual hires now, I'd probably mm -hmm. be a, a, a bit longer on that horizon and closer to the six months. We're actually looking for a senior level executive right now, and, and it's been a very lengthy hunt. The, uh, the first Aquahire story that Craig told us uh, sounds a little bit like that episode of Silicon Valley. I think everybody's probably seen that on HBO. Uh, just to chime in on a couple things here, I, on referrals, I, I remember my grandma told me two things that really helped me as the CEO of a tech company. One is, uh, if you don't tell any lies, you don't have to remember any, uh, what you told anybody down the road, so you can just like keep, keep the same story straight. Super helpful uh, as you grow a business, uh, number one. Number two, uh, you are who your friends are. Y'all remember that old adage? And so referrals are our best employees, for sure, because they tend, folks tend to run and like groups. And so if you've got an unbelievable tech ops, dev ops, you know, marketing, salesperson, whatever it might be, and they run in similar circles of similar performance caliber, we've always had great success. And some of the tech companies that you mentioned, the software that are out there right now are really great in helping the recruiting process. Even just over the last few years, they've gotten so much better. You mentioned a lot of the premier ones. We've had a ton of success with glassdoor.com. Uh, and, and really nurturing and making sure that, you know, as we're doing interesting things as a company, that we're sharing that almost as a social media uh, kind of exposure in Glassdoor, and it, and it helps bring the kinds of folks into the door, into the recruiting system that ha have pretty good success. You, you pay for employee referrals? We do, but we don't actually market it that strongly. Uh, but one of the things I'll take out of here today is go back and, and, and look at that again. For the longest we, we, time, we, we did. Mark, we marketed the shit out of the employee referral program at Cornerstone. Yeah. And how much like, did you, how did you do that? How did you oh, God. Th thousands. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we pay as well. Yeah. It's, that is a big, big deal. Yeah, we right. had a $5,000 one for several years there, but I, I, we don't really use it anymore. Yeah, I think it, it's, I don't know, 1800 2500 it's, uh, hmm. it's a lot. Um, 
I, I think the, the theme for us was that we always had the program out there and everybody knows about it. And you have your website and all your jobs posted and listed on your website and they're listed everywhere else. But you just kind of kind of shake the people a little bit. And you say, look, um, you, you've worked here for two years and I think you're pretty happy, right? You're here, you know, 70 hours a week and you eat all the candy off the candy wall. <laughs> Don't you have any friends that like candy? And they're... And they're Right, and they say, "Oh, yeah, you know, I I forgot my buddy wa was at so and so, and then he quit, and he was traveling, and he's not doing anything now." And you're like, "Well, why don't you see that we have, you know, 42 open positions of that?" And so I think that it it's just a really really good reminder that look, you're not it's 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 yeah, it's putting a little bit of a carrot out there for somebody to make a phone call for you, but I think it's a really good reminder that. Um, you want your existing people to bring their friends in so much that you're willing to pay them to do it. Okay. We got time for two questions. Sure. Santa Barbara, we're in San Luis. We have similar recruiting potential issues. How did you determine what type of people, what department you were going to have in a different state? Uh, great question. Uh, so with respect to how we made decisions on what kind of roles we would hire in a different state, with Austin, Texas, we effectively have what we call a center of excellence for customer experience. And it's particularly focused on our enterprise business. We're fast becoming an enterprise software company over the last couple of years. And so we have kind of a nexus of talent there that's highly centered towards that component of our business. So whether it is technical support engineering or the technical sales organization on the enterprise side, uh, customer success and so forth, we've created a nexus of functions there that we're now expanding from. And you know, I'm, I tend to be kind of what I call a butts and seats CEO, so we don't have a distributed workforce. We have five offices around the world. And I always say, uh, you're welcome to work from any one of our five offices, uh, but you get a ton of benefit out of the collaboration there. And so I mentioned that because now what we're doing, now that we have some size in Austin, we have about 50 people down there, we are allowing people and even helping them move from California, for example, to Texas, should they want to do that. And we're starting to build out our marketing capability there, you know, our pre-sales capability and other aspects of the business. So we created a nexus with a focus, uh, you know, around that. And then now we're building out. Sure. So I'm a CEO of a tech recruiting firm, and you're talking about when do we actually have a referral-based program for our candidates as well? But the higher slow, higher fast, today's environment with the, you know, I think it was less than 1% of uh, web developers are unemployed in the state of California. How the hell do you hire slow and keep people in the process? Because it's just moving so fast. These guys have five offices within one week. So how do you go about hiring that? Well, you have no choice but to hire slow because it takes forever to get one. <laughs> and and I, I would agree with that. It is tough in these highly competitive markets, particularly technical markets in, in software engineering, DevOps engineering in the state of California for example, is incredibly difficult. And so companies like ours, uh, I think, have to make decisions about expansion. So for us, we purposefully picked Austin, Texas, because we wanted a place where there were a handful of world-class computer science programs, 
giant technical companies that, that we knew would be feeders for us. And so we purposefully chose a region that we thought would have a great scalable long-term base where we wouldn't have the same competitive issues. But you raise a, a really legitimate challenge that companies so, like ours. So do. what I would say also is that I think you owe it to your candidates to be square with them about their long-term career growth. And it doesn't really matter to me that the, each one of them has five offers because I know that four of those offers are the wrong culture fit most likely for that person. And so if you're going to churn the developer over the course of, let's say, a 10 or a 15 key part of their career, they're never going to raise up to the highest level in their field. And so I would encourage the candidate to say, hey, look, it doesn't really matter that you have five offers. What you're really trying to do is find the one right company with the right culture fit. Because if you pick the right horse and it's a great growth company, you're going to learn more there you're going to learn five times more there in five years than you would learn in five other jobs. And so the goal is not to turn over. The goal is to pick the right company and have it be high growth. That's where the learning takes place, and that's where the career progression and moving up the ladder takes place. That's why at Cornerstone, you know, people got really lucky, yes, but we had dozens of employees in, in the technical field that have been there for 12 or 15 years. Those people have learned a ton. And I'll make one final note, which is um, having more engineers doesn't mean that you get more done. Um, our head of product is really, really uh, insistent on the fact that having less of the right engineers is actually more productive. So some companies feel this angst to get more throughput and they hire more capriciously as a result. We have not found that that helps. Law, law of diminishing returns in development. Pay the guy double and make him work 95 hours a week, you'll get four times as much code laid. All right, guys. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's give, the, let's give the team a hand here.